You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Hello and welcome to Creatives Making Money. Today I have with me the incredible Jenny Shi. Jenny Shi is an uncompromising business coach who has taught more than 25,000 women how to earn a full-time income working 30 hours per week or less as an on, as online service-based entrepreneurs. I mean, I'd like to work 30 hours a week or less, Jenny, really. Uh, (laughs) Drawing on both her decade of experience in high tech and her training with Martha Beck and spiritual teacher Byron Katie, Jenny guides her clients through a no-fluff step-by-step approach to creating thriving businesses that they love without having to work long hours or make huge sacrifices. Can I just get an amen? (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen, Jenny. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear from you and there's a lot of stuff we're going to cover today. I know you and I were just chatting about um, really the whole concept of like, how do I make more without working more, right? Like how do I maximize my time, make the most, like create a business model that feels good to me and isn't soul sucking or energy sucking my life away. And I know that you guys who are listening can, can identify with this. Um, How do we manage our time? So I'm curious to hear from you because I know you talk a lot about aligned business models. What does aligned mean to you? I feel like we all have a different definition of what that means. So I'm curious to hear like, what does that mean to you? That's a great question. You know, it's a word that's changing for me right now. So in the past, up until a couple months ago, I would have told you it was me maximizing my skill set and showing up with whatever I have most to offer the world. And in the last couple of months, I've been sort of, there's something shifting inside of me and I'm feeling like it's less about me being in charge of where my life is headed and more letting life show me where I'm headed. And so alignment is turning from being this thing that I want, that I'm creating to being the facilitator of something bigger that wants to get created. And that's very squishy because in my mind it is very squishy right now, but it is, it's something shifting for me and, and it is in that direction. So alignment is about being present with what is showing up to be created by me as opposed to being directed by me in my sort of mind. Mm-hmm. It's like that allowing crazy. It doesn't sound crazy. I got full body chills as you talked about that. And, and like, that's, that's when I get full body chills, it's, it's always a sign that whether I'm speaking with a client or a friend or, or interviewing that I'm like, we're moving in the right direction here. This is a <laughs> <laughs> so 
Where is this spoken or whatever? (laughs) Um, No, but that, I mean, what you're speaking to really is like allowing, surrendering and not trying to control it and trusting that that's moving you in the right direction just as much as like thinking about it really hard and coming up with the perfect plan could possibly do for you, right? Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's beautiful. And it feels like a big relief. I hope yes. everyone listening was like, oh, that's what I have to, that's, that's it. Let's do that. <laughs> it sounds lovely. And it's so hard, <laughs> right? Our minds want to be so in charge of life and try to control everything. And after 40 years, I realized I'm just failing at that. So let's try another way. Let's, mm. let's try another way. Yeah. Instead of controlling life, I'm going to facilitate what life gives me. Yeah. When you talk about failing at it, what does that mean? Yeah, well, I mean, let's think about it this way. The weather is unchangeable, but how many of us gripe about the weather? Our, um, you know, how somebody shows up, like somebody cuts you off in traffic. We get frustrated about that. We have no control over people cutting us off in traffic. So there's all these things in life and in business that we do not have control over. We have control over our reactions, our thoughts, our emotions how we show up, but that's about it. So changing from trying to control everything else in the world to instead controlling and being aware of what's going on within us, like that's where we have our power. All that other stuff, like trying to get people to do things or act in certain ways, that's, that's never going to work. <laughs> that is where we're going to constantly fail. I saw somebody post on Instagram the other day, 90% of, of life is struggle. And I thought, yeah, we create all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that. So let's stop doing that and let's start maybe shifting. So that's what I'm working on. I love that so much. And I love it because it's the, yes, let's talk about creation on this podcast in all the ways. And some of that is not just like, oh, you're creating a business or you're creating a product or you're creating an offer or you're creating art. You know, some of that is you are literally creating your experience. Yes. You are creating your reality, right? Mm-hmm. We actually are that powerful. Scary <laughs> <laughs> <Very> and true. <laughs> so today, really, I want to get into not money, well, partly money, but time. Yeah. And what your recommendations are for someone who's just maybe still has a day job, is starting to dabble in being a service-based business owner, um, you know, doing work for hire or commissioned work, or even potentially like, oh, they're starting a jewelry business on the side, or they're starting an Etsy shop or a Shopify store. Um, And they're struggling with, I believe in this. It's important to me. It's my jam. And I feel like I have these limited hours or this limited time to work on it. How do I get more done in less time? What can, what, what can they do? (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about this. I'm so passionate about how we spend our time. And it's so perfect that we just talked about basically surrendering to the things we can't control. Because if you work a full-time job, like, yes, you can quit your job. But I mean, I'm also very, very practical. So I'm not saying, you know, go quit your job. But let's surrender to the fact that you have limited hours. So the first thing is like, this isn't even one of my steps. This is just stop the fight. Like stop the fight with I only have so many hours because that in and of itself is taking energy away from your business. So let's just acknowledge and accept the reality that you're in right now with your limited time. So that could be you have a full-time job. It could be that you're taking care of kids at home. It could be 
that you're taking care of ill family members. Or maybe for me for a while, it was I was really chronically sick and I only had so much time and energy. So we have these constraints in our lives. The first thing is to just accept that is our reality and to not fight it. Because when we fight it, we're then giving our energy up. Let's, let's use that to, to uh, fuel our pursuits. So when you have this limited amount of time available, we have to get really smart and strategic about how we use it. And the cool thing is, I've seen it with my clients oh, time and time again, that they can build a business on the side with very limited hours and create what they want. So first, I just want, if you're this person who has really limited hours, I just want you to hear, it is possible for you to start building your business on the side of this crazy busy life you have. So just hear that and let that sink in. You don't have to fight with this situation you're in. Okay, so once that's sunk in, <laughs> then let's just walk through a couple simple steps to really maximize the time you do have. Okay, so the first thing you want to do is you think about how you're going to fit your business building around the rest of your life with whatever you've got going on is you've got to decide the hours that you actually want to be working. And if you're working a full-time job and taking care of kids or other family members, you're probably not going to want to work every night from you know, six until 10 and then on the weekends as well. So decide which hours you want to be working. Do you like to wake up early? Do you want to stay late? Do you want to work part on the weekends? It doesn't really matter, but decide the hours that are going to fit around your life because the rest of your life still has to work. You still got to go to your job. You still got to take care of your family. You want to have time for fun. <laughs> you want to make, you know, make sure kind you have important. Time. <laughs> yeah, fun for the rest of your life in there as well and put those hours in uh, and then put them in your calendar. I'm kind of a big fan of putting everything in your calendar because what happens is that is what then holds you accountable to following through. So anybody out there who is kind of squirrely around not holding themselves accountable, accountable, having things in your calendar becomes sort of how you hold yourself accountable, accountable <laughs> <to> your calendar. <laughs> so you've got your hours, you put them in your calendar. So then the next thing is, okay, what do you do? Now you know what you're going to work on. This is where, this is the next part where it trips a lot of people up. And that is you've got to start to have a plan. So a lot of times we start this business. I know I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go learn all the things. I'm going to learn about blogging and podcasting and social media and this. And I'm going to create a course and I got to build an email list. And, and all of a sudden our head is swirling with a list of 300 things that we need to get done. But are those really the 300 things that need to get done? So this is where you kind of need to press pause and ask yourself, what things do I actually need to do? And in what order do I actually need to do them? And which of those are important for now? And which of them are important for later? I have a lot of people email me and say, hey, Jenny, I'd love to join your Make It Work Online program. It's my program for newer business owners. I'll say, are you going to teach me how to do automated webinars and Facebook ads to funnels? And I say, no, because you don't need it. Until you're bringing in money regularly with clients, until you understand how to talk to your target audience, until you understand how to convert people into paying clients in this way and that way, None of those things are going to help you. It's really about doing step one before step two and before step three. Now, it's really hard because we're getting inundated with all of these things. I got You got to do this. You got to do this. Everybody teaches their one big thing and they're all good, but they may not be all good for you at this moment. And so if you don't know what that is, that's going to be worth a conversation with you and somebody who's going to be able to help you have that, um, who's going to be able to help you sort out that plan for what is right for you at this point in your business right now. So now you know your hours, you've got them in your calendar, you've got this plan of what matters in what order. And then here's the, the last part, it's pretty easy, is you've got to stick to it. So this is where it gets a little unsexy, right? And I know you know this, Jamie, like stuff gets hard sometimes. New things aren't always easy or fun, they're uncomfortable, and we'd rather go learn something new or 
I don't know, go do a load of laundry or something, but you've got those, those hours in your calendar. And this is really where you have to let them hold you accountable. So you've got your hours and your plan, and then it's really just a matter of following through. And the cool thing is, if you can get in the habit of doing this, setting your priorities and setting your hours and sitting your butt in your chair and doing the work, it's amazing how much we can actually accomplish when we're not out there distracted by all of these other things. It's uncomfortable, but we grow in so many ways. And that becomes how we work so many fewer hours. It's how you can, how I'm able to build my business and get a ton done in 30 hours a week. But honestly, I can't work more than 30 hours a week because when I'm working, I'm working. There's not a lot of, on Facebook, there's not a lot of shiny objects. We're just getting it all done. And so that's what's exciting for people who are working full-time jobs and have busy lives is when you sit down and you have a good plan and you hold yourself accountable, you can accomplish a lot in a limited number of hours. I had a client once who built her business to the point in like 10 hours a week, she was making more money in those 10 hours a week than she was in her full-time job. And it didn't make sense anymore to stay in her full-time job. And she's like, oh my goodness, if I quit my job and I put all this time into my business, wow, that's how I'm going to really scale. She had learned to do it in those limited hours. So in some ways you end up with some superpowers. So that's my little note of encouragement for people with busy lives. <laughs> that is a legitimate superpower. <laughs> I'm curious to hear like when you talk about it's not, it's not sexy anymore. The stick to itness. <laughs> that's the, that's the actual grind part. Um, what do you think gets in the way when people, you know, the stick to itness I think can be this, the sticky part, so to speak. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what do you see as being, you know, the big challenge around that? And, and what do you, what do you recommend or how do you guide your clients through that or to really keep them moving forward? Yeah. The main thing that sort of prevents us from sticking with it, I think is discomfort. So in order to grow and create something that we've never created before, to sell something we've never sold before, we have to develop skills we don't have. And we have to learn how to write great marketing copy. We learn how to have to interview people. We have to learn how to write blog posts. We have to learn how to create things. And learning new things when we don't are immediately awesome at it is uncomfortable. And that un discomfort is physical discomfort. I mean, I remember, and this still happens regularly, I was writing these video scripts I remember squirming in my chair, like, oh, this is so painful. And I, but I was like, oh, this means I'm growing. But I had, you know, you have to have that awareness to realize, oh, I want to get up and distract myself with things right now. And it would be so much more fun to go do anything other than this. But I have this vision. I have this dream. And in order to do that, I have to grow in this way. I have to stretch myself. And to do that, I'm going to have to sit through this discomfort. But the good news is, once I do it, I'm going to grow and I'm going to build that skill and it's not going to be uncomfortable anymore. So think about all the things that used to be uncomfortable. We got used to them. We got used to them. We got better at them. They were no longer uncomfortable. And then we achieved that goal. So just learning to sit with that squirmy discomfort, that desire to get up and get away from this thing at hand, is one of the most valuable skills we can develop as business owners. Being okay with, with that. <laughs> that's what I, that's my, my sense of it. Yeah. I love that so much. And what I really love about what you're saying is so often we talk about like, oh, get outside your comfort zone and, and be brave and it, be courageous. And I think that it's easy for us to always assume that like getting outside your comfort zone is it's always a, a matter of fear or it's always a matter of doing something that's like bold action. 
And sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm really not very good at this. And that is painful to do. Like that just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good right now because I feel like I'm flailing like an octopus with too many arms and I don't know what's happening and that sucks. And it's not like, oh, the most courageous action I've ever taken, but it can feel just as uncomfortable as like getting on the stage for the first time, right? (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, I love that you say that because you know, being courageous and brave is supposed to sound fun and glamorous. It's totally not. It's not, it's not glamorous. It's like the opposite of all of that. It's, it's not glamorous. You're literally like pooping your pants and sweating out of your armpits with Niagara Falls. That's like full on sweats, you know? You're There's sweating everywhere. Nothing sexy yourself. about it. It's <laughs> so true. When did you, I'm just curious, when did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? (laughs) I didn't really set out to be an entrepreneur. I, I got an engineering degree from college and I got a job as an engineer. I didn't love being an engineer. I I actually did not like engineering school at all. I was miserable. I just stayed because I didn't want to have to extend my college education. I was like, I'm so miserable. But the engineering curriculum was so narrow that if by the time I was like, I don't like this at all, I realized that if I changed degrees, I'd have to stay an extra year to college and I didn't want to do that. So I was like, I'm just going to muzzle through and finish. So I got an engineering job and it was a great job as far as jobs go. But I was like, I, I don't love this. And so then I moved into management, actually fairly young. I was 26 and I moved in and I managed a team of engineers. And I was like, okay, this is better. But a couple years later, after I'd sort of hit my stride and realized I really liked being a manager, I still was like, ah, we're making high-tech office supply products. Like, if I retired at 65 and, you know, I worked my way up to vice president of this Fortune 500 company, like, that might do it for some people, but it just wouldn't do it for me. And so it was more a matter of I needed to do something that felt like it was bringing purpose to the world. And I went down a soul-searching path. I hired career coaches and I was like, oh, well, I think I like to help people. And I decided to become a career coach. I started out as a career coach. I built my career coaching business. And uh, long story short, I ended up doing what I do now, which is teaching business to um, uh, online entrepreneurs. But it's more that this is just what happened. It wasn't that I ever set out like, I want to be my own boss. It just was like, oh, I like being my own boss. I don't ever want to go back to working for somebody else. Doesn't mean I won't. I mean, who knows what life brings, right? Like we talked about at the beginning, we're not really in charge of all of these things <laughs> that are going to happen. But for now, uh, yeah, I'm just finding, I, I think it's the independent, independent streak in me, the person who likes to be in charge and make decisions and doesn't like anybody else telling me what to do that really loves working for myself. Mm-hmm. And there's like the piece that I'm hearing also is alignment. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We're like, yeah. Well, (laughs) that would do it for some people, but I require alignment. (laughs) You got it. You got it. I love that you're walking your talk. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to do. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any early memories around money, particularly when you were starting out in your own business that you remember- feeling kind of squirrely about it or feeling confident about it? What was that like for you? Yeah, it's funny. I thought you were going to ask me like early childhood memories of money. And it's funny. We can talk about that too. (laughs) Somebody asked me that question on a podcast and I was like, I actually don't have any, like they're not early. So, but early in business. Yeah, I do. And this is a bit of a confession because my husband had quit his job. Uh, He is not made for corporate life. We were both working at the same company 
and he he had the worst boss ever. I mean, my husband is a visionary kind of person and he sees like way out there and he would bring these ideas to his boss and his boss is not at all that person. And he would bring this idea and then two years later, his boss would be like, oh, I know we could do this. And my husband's like banging his head against the wall being like, that's what I told you two years ago. Like, this is what we should have been doing. He was just sort of getting really frustrated. So he decided to leave and start his own, uh, his own business. And I turned into, I was still working a full-time job, but I turned into sort of the nagging, like, where's the money? Where's the money? Where do you, like, like I was freaked out about money because we had just cut our income in half for him to go start this business and we had taken out loans and all that kind of stuff. And so then my fear when I quit my job was like, he sort of did the opposite. He's like, okay, you are the naggy, obnoxious person. I'm just going to like stay quiet and let you do your own thing, which was, which was almost like an overcorrection because then I was on my own and like feeling really unsupported and you don't really care. But I, at least, at least I didn't, he didn't do to me what I did to him. So there was just a lot of tension and struggle um, in those early days because there wasn't, I was still making the primary money in the business. And so, I mean, with my job, and then my business, I felt I took on that responsibility of really earning what I had earned in my corporate income. And it didn't come in fast. It didn't come in right away. I'd quit cold turkey. I hadn't made a penny in my business. I went straight in, straight into my business after leaving my job. And it was a lot of stress and a lot of struggle. It was, it was not a fun couple of years. But that fire under my rear, I'll tell you, there's nothing like that kind of fire to get you to do the scary, uncomfortable things that you don't want to do. And I don't regret it. I don't tell everybody that that's how they should do it. I think you've got to do it the way that suits you. And that was just what I chose. And it was painful, <laughs> stressful, and I don't regret it because I think that then fueled me to do some things that I wouldn't have, I would, might not have done. I think if I built it on the side while I was working my job, I wouldn't have done it. So a lot of lessons learned. It was not pretty for a long time <laughs> between me and my husband in all those different ways, but we survived. We made it to the other side and now things are all right. <laughs> what do you think is the biggest thing you learned going through that? I would say the biggest thing I learned from going through all of that was the importance of me putting my rear on the line. What I've realized since then is I am not somebody who's motivated simply to make more money or to achieve a status or none of those things interest me. I mean, I need money to pay my bills and I like to go on a vacation now and then and those basic kinds of things. But some people I know are just motivated simply to see how much money they, they can make or to simply see what kind of status they can achieve in their industry. Those things don't, they don't do it for me. So what I've realized that in order to continue to stretch and grow myself and to increase my impact, more than just saying I impact these number of people, I have to put my rear on the line. So I'm realizing, and it's come to fruition now that I've been self-employed for about 10 years, realize I have to do that more and more. I have to kind of take like a really terrifying risk, often financially, like invest a whole lot in something that I don't know in order to then get myself to grow. It's painful way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not here to just like kind of get, I'm not here to just show up every day and just do the same kind of thing. I'm here to grow and make a difference. And to do that, I've got to continually put myself, my rear on the line. <laughs> Do you think there's a version of entrepreneurship where, where you can approach it more conservatively and, and ha like take less risks? Do you think that exists? I do. Yeah. I do. And you know, it's funny because I'm really talking out of both sides of my mouth because I now, I only, so at the beginning I had to, I risked, I risked everything. Well, I didn't really risk everything. I had saved up money to quit my job 
and did that. And we were living on savings. So it wasn't like, uh, I felt like I was going to have to, I felt like I was ready to lose everything and have to move in with my in-laws. Like that's kind of where I felt emotionally. Since then, I've just built a lot of muscles of realizing, oh, actually there isn't that much at risk at this point in my business. But I, I take these big risks for growth, but I keep a, a floor on the actual risk. So for example, I have a threshold of, I'm not willing to say not be able to make payroll this month. I'm not like, there are certain thresholds at which I'm not willing to sacrifice something. So I'm going to pay myself. I'm going to play my team. I'm going to make sure those basics are always covered. That's not a risk I'm willing to take. Whereas other people might take that risk. I'm willing to risk how much I grow or how uncomfortable things are, or if something doesn't work, how much I'll have to work harder to recover. And so I think we can, I then grow more slowly than other people maybe who are willing to risk it all. And so I, get, I think we get to moderate our risks, how much we push ourselves and how much we keep ourselves safe. And, and the reason I'm also talking out of both sides of my mouth around this whole risk thing is because I teach people to build one-on-one service-based businesses to start with. So start by learning how to sell your services one-to-one from yourself to other clients, because it is the least risky business to grow. You don't have to rely on Facebook ads. You don't have to rely on courses that may or may not sell, launches that may or may not go. It's just you selling to one other person through free methods to get started. It's low risk, low overhead. And so I like helping people build up that security so they then can go take the risks of launching the course, of putting money into Facebook ads, of doing the sell. So you build up this level of security where you then can take a risk on top of it. It doesn't feel quite so scary. So a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. That's, I really appreciate your transparency around that because I think it's really valuable. I think it's, it's a valuable reminder and I think it's important for people to hear that like, it's always, there's always some level of risk that, ha- that comes with business and you get to decide what your risk tolerance is and like what you're willing to do and like where you shine. Are you the type of person that thrives when everything is on the line and that's when you really kick yeah. into high gear and get shit done? Or are you the person that, that like, will completely melt down and not be able to function under those circumstances. <laughs> right. Right. I, you know, it's yeah. important to know. <laughs> I think I think you make a really great point. It is really important to know because I have talked to people about this before and they're like, wow, if I felt that much pressure, I would just be in a puddle of tears and wouldn't get anything done. Great. Then don't put yourself in that in that position. Don't quit your job cold turkey with no revenue in your business. If you're gonna fall apart, don't put yourself in that situation. Because you know, I've been told by other people for this was several years ago, I was told by somebody, um, you know, you're never going to make enough money. You're never going to grow your business very fast journey because you're not willing to take risks. And I I took that in, like, it was kind of said to me in in a shaming kind of way. And I took it in that way. And I'm like, Oh, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Because this is all right. Like, I don't like to do that. Like, that's good for you. I'm so glad that you know that about yourself. I'm so glad you're willing to risk everything. Awesome. I'm not, that's okay. (laughs) I'm okay. I'm okay with that. And so knowing each person knowing what they are willing to do and not do and how they most thrive or don't is really important. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sure thing. It's important. I think about this a lot too. I think about how, um, how as entrepreneurs, I think that we do build a muscle around risk specifically. And there are moments when I'm like, are we just gamblers? Like, <laughs> are we just addicted <laughs> to this? You know, and is it healthy? I'm not sure. You know, Cause I can't imagine the emotional monotone, the, like the monotone emotions of, of potentially having a, a position that felt really secure 
that was day in, day out, what it was. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't, I don't personally, I know that I could never thrive in that. And so, and I think about the other entrepreneurs I know and how like, we kind of thrive in this, in the game of it to some extent. Yeah. So I don't know what you think about that, but I just, I think about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it's to each his own, right? I mean, we've got to know us and what works for us and what doesn't, what doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, one more question about cash flow in general. I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs who might be listening to this who might feel like, well, I've sold services before, but I never know where my next lead is coming from, or I never know where my next client's coming from, or I never know if I, I had one really great month and then the next month was terrible. Um, what would you tell them to kind of either alleviate that kind of pain of wondering or feeling like, oh, it's always feast and famine? Um, you know, what, what advice would you give them to let them know, let them know what they need to know, I guess. Oh, so like earlier I said, I want you to know that you can build a business part-time with whatever hours you have. What I want to say here is, and I want people to hear this loud and clear, you can create predictable one-on-one income so much so that it becomes boring. It's awesome. It is my favorite thing to help clients do. So if people are seeing that feast or famine, there's a whole bunch of reasons that could be happening. One reason I see it happen a lot is market, market, market. I'm going to put myself out there, put this stuff out there. Awesome. I got three clients. Stop marketing. Crap. I finished with my clients. Oh no, I don't have any clients. Marketing, 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 fill your roster. Like we create that. So what what needs to change is constantly marketing. Like you have to be marketing if you have a full client roster. You have to be marketing all the time. I always tell clients, um, this is a little bit more, this is a little bit tricky, a little too much to cover just in an audio interview, but Mm -hmm. think about it this way. there are certain activities that we always have to do in our business. We always have to do admin work. We've got to write our blog or podcast or send our email to our list. We've got to post to social media. We've got to do marketing and we've got to serve our clients. So these five things that you have to do, you always have to be doing all of them and you including marketing. Even if you're full, there should always be at least a few hours a week of marketing, no matter what. And then the other thing I say is how many clients do you want to serve in your business? Let's say you want to work with 10 clients and you work with your clients for an hour a week. So this is like on a 30 hour a week, somebody's working 30 hours a week in their business, they're going to spend 10 hours working with clients and the other 20 is on all the other stuff. Every minute of those 10 hours that you don't have a client should be spent marketing. So a lot of times like, I don't have clients. I'm going to go out to lunch with a friend. No, if you don't have, if you don't have clients and you want to have 10 hours of clients that week, every minute you don't have a client spend marketing. You do that consistently. You'll start to pick up on trends. So like I'm an engineer, so I'm kind of a data, I mean, engineer by training kind of a data geek. I like to look at trends. What have you done that got you clients in the past? How can you repeat that scenario to the best of your ability to get more clients? Start to create, sort of think about it systematically. One, one person might get really great clients from guest posting. Somebody else may be doing a podcast and that gets them good clients. There's not one way to do it. There's, you know, two dozen ways to get clients, but start to be a scientist of what's working for you and do it consistently. And every minute you have, don't have a client that you wish you had a client, spend that time marketing. If you do that consistently, you'll fill your roster within a matter of months and you'll keep it full as long as you want. And then you can start raising your prices and then it starts to get really fun. (laughs) Oh girl. (laughs) (laughs) We're just having a business party over here in case anyone was wondering, we're having a lot of fun right now. Um, Yes. This is, I mean, I cannot thank you enough for all of the brilliance you're sharing. Like I, this is probably going to be one of the most popular episodes ever. So before we wrap up, 
Um, there are a couple things. Number one, I know you have some awesome resources like yeah. that touch on potentially multiple of the topics that we're covering today. <laughs> right. So please, 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 please share. Let us know. I'll be, I'll make sure to put them in the show notes as well so that they're really easy for you guys to go grab. But yeah, tell us about those resources, please. Okay. And then do I get to answer the $5 million question? I'm not going to leave that out. Don't worry. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't skipping it. I didn't forget. I didn't for the last six and a half hours. <laughs> All right. So um, the first resource I want to share is uh, just a guide and a little audio class on seven secrets to working less without making less. And this is really all about how to be smarter with your time. These are really simple strategies. They're not anything complicated. You don't have to go buy a new planner or buy any software. It's really just changing how you show up in your business and your life to get more done. So seven secrets to working less without making less. And that's at jennyshe.com slash tell all. And I'll we'll have the link in the show notes. And then honestly, if you're looking to build an online service based business, I've been blogging about this for eight years now. And there's just a lot of people come to my site and they'll be Jenny, I just read your site for the last three hours. And there's everything from list building to how to get clients, to how to talk about what you do, to how to write offers, to how to market yourself, to what to send to your list. And I'd hate to just choose one thing for you too. So just hop over to jennyshe.com slash blog and click one of the topics at the top and just, just dive in on what you need most. So many resources. I'll give you a couple links to add in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you. Just have a blog binge. That sounds like yeah, the best, right. the best Thursday night ever. <laughs> <laughs> like hi, order a pizza and go, go to jennyshe.com. <laughs> sounds yeah. so fun. Uh, so, yes, I'm not skipping the $5 million question. Jen. The time is now you you're on the spot. The spotlight is on you. The, the, the room is quiet and everyone's watching. And the question is if you had $5 million, just like fall in your lap. Mm. Oh, an angel just came from the sky and gave it to you and said, here you go. No tax, no taxes. You can do whatever you want with this money. What would you do with the money? Yeah, I want to start a worldwide nonprofit organization that supports women around the world, especially women in third world countries, to start their own businesses. Because research shows that when women, especially women in third world countries, are empowered with their own financial means, they improve their lives, they improve their families' lives, they improve their communities and those they are around with. Basically, they lift up the whole world. And so I imagine taking helping women. I don't even know what this would look like, but I know that that's what I would do. Help women around the world, create the financial means to support them and their family and their community. And I just, I can feel the ripple effect that that has on everyone. And I'm just, I'm ready to do it. So if somebody's got 5 million, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to buy a fancy house. I'm not going to buy a fancy car. I don't like designer clothes. I just want to go. I want to go do this. <laughs> that's the plan. Jenny, when I have $5 million, I think it will be yours. <laughs> we'll partner. We'll do it. We'll change the world. I look I can, forward to that. I can get behind this mission for real. <laughs> you see, okay, that's the thing. So here's why, here's why I haven't been able to let this one go. That's why I'm like, you know, telling, we started this interview by saying that I'm not in charge of what the plan is for the world. So this may not be my plan. This is what my current plan is, but I, this one just won't go away. And there are so many women who are fortunate like us and so many of our clients who live in, you know, first world countries. And even if we have hard days, they're so much better than they are for women around the world. And what I imagine is 
whenever this gets off the ground, women here will rally for women everywhere. I just like, oh, like there's something that just feels like this energy that just wants to create. So that's what I'm just holding strong that that will happen when the time is right. Because yeah, every time I say this to anyone, they're like, yes, can I help? Yes, you can. <laughs> Once we're doing it, we're good. Yes, the answer is yes, you can help. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, I love it so much. Thank you so much, Jenny. This was amazing. And I'm so, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm just so grateful for you. Thank, thank you so you. much. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity to, to chat and get excited and to share these things, these uh, strong opinions I have about things <laughs> and to support your, your, your listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money, but don't go anywhere without subscribing. Also, I just wanted to mention that ratings and reviews are really a huge help. So if you've connected with this episode or a previous episode, or if something you heard here just resonated with you really deeply or gave you the feels or a huge aha, letting me know with a rating and review really, really makes my day. So I'd so appreciate it and you. Remember, if you're just getting started making money with your creative talents and you're just figuring it out, you're likely going to need a website that helps you sell your products and services. So to learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thejamiejensen.com slash free training. On this training, I'll walk you through each page of your website and explain what must be there in order to pre-sell clients and customers. This makes it way easier for you to make money. You'll also learn about my signature course, copy that, but of course there's no pressure. All sales of that course help cover the cost of this podcast, but the training is available to you whether you decide to purchase the course or not. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives who, who check out this podcast, you also can do that. We continue the conversation from these episodes in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes, always available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Don't hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it.